Min Podcast, the Minterview series. Our guest is the last Everton number nine to lift the league title. From King's Ladies in Bootle to Being a Blue inside Belfield, a trailblazer of women's British football, Andrea McGrady tells us about her life as an EFC number nine, the lack of financial support from paying to play to loaning the men's kits, gender imbalances in the game were stark, and still today, why are potential club female ambassadors left dancing in the dark? All that and more on Mint Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Today we're joined by Andrea McGrady, former Everton number nine. Andrea, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Can you just give us a short introduction? Thank you uh, and thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, my name's Andrea McGrady. Um, I'm a former uh, Everton ladies centre forward. Um, other clubs include uh, Millwall Lionesses, AFC Wimbledon, Barnet and uh, Tottenham. Um, and I'm a two-time marathon runner. <laughs> That's my introduction. I'm Bruce Springsteen fan. <laughs> I'm Bruce Springsteen fanatic. <laughs> and as usual, we are also joined by Sarah and Sean. Um, so what we'll do is we'll just start by Andrea. Um, tell us about how you were introduced to Everton Football Club. Well, introduced to Everton Football Club, I'm, I'm from a family of Evertonians. Um, I've got two brothers and a sister um, all older than me, so I, I've grew up on stories of uh, Borel, Kendall and Harvey and the School of Science. You know, m- my sister tells stories of how she used to take a crate to the match, uh, queue up at 12 o'clock, and when she got inside uh, with, it, with her crate, stand on a crate and drape a p- poster of uh, Colin Harvey over the wall. So, you know, um, it, it's a it, great story from the past. Um I first, my first game I think was about nineteen seventy eight, so the year Latchford got his thirty goals, um, so that team was, you know, Mike Lyons, Andy King, Bob Latchford, Martin Dobson, the lot that was great, um, but my first year really as a season ticket holder was eighty three eighty four so. I mean, how good's that to start your uh, your journey as an Evertonian? What a season that was! Um, I, I think I went with me mum. We sat in the lower Bullens, and then we moved to the upper Gladys Street. And now I'm uh, I'm I'm back in the lower Bullens. So that's how I became a blue. Amazing. Um, hi, Andrea. So hi, you talked you talked about uh, Bob Blatchford. Um, can you re- can you discuss sort of who was your sort of formative sort of influences in playing football? Was it all men or was it uh, like you say going the game to watch Everton or did you have some like what got you into football from like a young age? What what called you to play the game? Yeah, um, I, I think it was a case of growing up with two brothers. Um, my, my sister had already uh, left and got married by the time um, I came along, so um, it was growing up with two brothers. I'd get dragged to the football every Sunday when they played, because they were both um, Sunday League amateur players. Um, and, I, you know, I've, I've been surrounded by, by football and, and, and watching men play football. So it was just, you know, natural that I, uh, I progressed and I was, I was always kicking a ball around, you know. Was it you like know, playing but... with them, Andrea? Like your brothers? But was it like playing with the lads early on? Like, can you describe that for us? Because obviously it's so different to today, right? Yeah, I was, I was, I'd, I'd play in the back garden um, with my two brothers, and they were, you know, there's, 11, there's eleven years difference between me and them, and um, you know, I can remember them playing like Bruce Rioch sliding tackles in on me, you know, as as a little five year old, you know, not not fair, you know, but uh, yeah, that I'd I'd go and watch their Sunday league teams, and I'd be kicked while they're playing. I'm I'm kicking the ball on on the sideline, you know. I'm I'm only eight or nine now, and um, so that that's how it started. And I was never one for um, getting dolls and stuff for Christmas. I'd get a I'd get a ball and a, a tracksuit. When did it get more serious then, Andrea? For you? It, um, it, it, round about I was about fifteen, um, and I used to um, I used to practice my skills in the back garden. I'd be um, just keeping the ball up, playing keepy ups, because that's, that's all you know you could do. You you play in the street with the lads, etc. Um, 
And my mum used to work with a, a girl who played for a ladies team. So, you know, my mum said to her, oh, Andrea's looking to play for, for somebody. You know, there were, I'd never even heard of a ladies team by then. This, you're talking about 1984 now. Never even heard of a ladies team. So, I mean, as I say, I, I played in the street with the lads and... Um, you know, I'd I'd be I'd be better than all the lads, and then I can, I can remember I can remember going training with with these um these girls for the first time, and I I honestly thought, oh this is going to be easy this I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, gonna be better than all these women, and then when I got there, tried to take on somebody, they took the ball off me, and I'm like oh, what's happening here? You know, women women shouldn't be uh, couldn't play football, you know so. But obviously there were people around like me and um, and better than me. And that's how it started. I started playing for a team called King's Ladies in, um, in Bootle. And uh, that's how it started, playing 11 aside then. Hi, Andrew. Um, it's great great to have a chat with you. Absolutely Thanks, fantastic. Sarah. It's a privilege. Um, going back to that time, did it feel that it was... It, it would be more difficult than it actually was to break into football as a woman, as a young girl. Was it? Was the expectation and the reality very different? Uh, yeah, 100%. I think, um, you know, like I said before, you, you never knew of, of, of women playing football. You know, for one, you never saw it on the TV. I mean, England did have a team at the time, but it was never publicised. It was never in the media or anything like that. So... Um, and how were your family, sort of, and friends around you? Did was it something that was discussed that that it might not be something that you could go into maybe as a profession, or were you made aware of that? Did you feel that it was something that was probably an issue? Um, not not so much an issue. I mean, the the family always supported me, and they, and they still do now. Um, but you 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 would never dream you could make a career out of it. No way. It was just purely. Um, a hobby and to you know keep me off the streets and um, you know so so you've you've mentioned you were at king's ladies and so you've told us previously that you've moved to um you moved to, to liso and then you transitioned on can you tell us about that transition between sort of in the, in the, in the early 90s of how you became um what would end up being an everton number nine yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, I was playing for Liso, um, and we, we were the best, we were the most famous team on Merseyside at the time. They they used to win everything. Um, they they won the FA Cup. They won the women's FA Cup in eighty nine, um, and we we'd just been promoted to the uh, newly formed women's national league. Um, and our secretary at the time um, was a lady called June Gordon, um, and she used to sponsor a lot of um, Tramway Rovers games. Um, she had her own driving school business. So, and and there she used to um, she got she got to know Peter Johnson. And just one day out of the blue, she a- approached him to see if he would be interested in us or, or she using the um, Everton name. You know, I think he was about to become our chairman then, ninety four, ninety five ish. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know we had a meeting, and um, it was it was it was all agreed. We were, we could come on board, and you know so we've got uh, Mr. Johnson to to thank for one thing at least anyway. <laughs> for one thing at least, yeah. It's it's striking to me that your stories of um, your experiences of a young woman and moving into football, not from a I would guess a around the park perspective but from a, a structured point of view you're playing for teams that are in leagues that would now be classed as I guess professional it's it's striking to me that it your your conversations and the way things have moved on it's it's similar to now the way that junior football gets on sponsors it's very it's got that likening to how a, an amateur club now will get sponsors was it I don't want to use the word bitterness, but there was the some sort of envy in regards to how the men's game had quickly moved forward in the early nineties with the Premier League, and how the women's hadn't been parachuted with that. Uh, did you have any sort of feeling towards how quickly the men's game had grew in the early nineties? Um, I I wouldn't say bitterness, but uh, you know I, I think like I alluded to before, I think you you um, this was just a hobby for us. There was there was no way in a million years. 
um, we could become professional, we could play um, football for a living, you know, it was a, as, as, a, as a job. So it was, there was no bitterness. It was just, um, you know, as I say, this, this, is, this is a hobby that we really enjoy and long may it continue, you know. So from moving from Liso, and you said it, was a, it, it felt more like a hobby in regards to the profession, if you want to sort of put it in quotations, profession. Did your mindset from it being a hobby change when you started playing for Everton? Because now you're representing your team. Is there a different sort of mindset that you hold now you're playing for Everton Football Club? I think not, not, much, not so much as a mindset, but I think what, once we um, come on board with Everton um, and that, that little bit, you know, the mid-90s, there was that little bit more professionalism coming into the game. You know, you've got your Arsenals, you've got your Everton's coming on board. So, you know, you, you did feel that um, pr- professionalism, shall we say. But again, there was no, um, th- there was no way we could uh, make a living out of this or, you know. Hey, Andrew, can you, make, can you uh, paint a picture of what that actually looked like? So going from um, um, the Liso to Everton, like sort of training, like kits, like that transition into Everton, coaching, was it the same coach? Was it the whole unit that moved across and just a change of kit? Like what, what did it look like at the time? Uh, like and obviously like getting to games, things like that. Did it be like you, you alluded to there? Kind of said it looked a bit more professional from like Arsenal and Everton coming in, bringing you in. But was anything done for yourselves? Uh, like the ladies' teams was like, did you have so, certain setups? Could you train at certain places, or was it much of the same and just the branding being Everton um, in those early days? Yeah, it, I mean, a lot changed. I think. Um, I mean, at at Liso when we were at Liso, we didn't really we didn't really had a coach. I mean, we had a great manager in Billy Jackson, but you know, he wasn't a coach. Um, once we came <clears throat> and got involved in the national league with Everton, um, we, we knew that we we were competing with the best now. So we had to go out and get a coach because if we want to stay in this league, you're going to have to be coached. Um, with Lisa, we just used to run up and down the hills in in Birkenhead and and train in a five a side gym. So you know nothing against that, but um, you know and and going back to kind of what it was like, um, you, you've gone from eighties football when I first started, where it was like you know you, you we played on mud baths of pitches, um, we had to put the nets up ourselves. You know you, you don't get any of that now. And then you you've gone to like wearing your the club tracksuit, um, and as I said, you're playing for the Everton's and Arsenal's of this world. So, um, but you know it, we're still all amateur. You know we're still we're still paying to play football. You're talking about putting on that tracksuit, and I guess putting on the tracksuit is not it's it's where it's the badge that's on the tracksuit for you isn't it that is pretty much a hundred percent of the feeling of putting on that tracksuit can you tell us about your first experience experiences in a game for Everton against Croydon yeah sure I mean going going back to the kit but Liso's first kit well the first one I wore for Liso was a was a red shirt with a lava beard on the back. So, on the <laughs> so I, you know, you know how painful is that? Get the holy water out. <laughs> so. um, but yeah, our, our first game at Croydon, our, it, you know, it was magical. You know, for me personally, as you, as you say, to pull on that shirt, you know, I know it's a cliche, but you know, it was a dream come true. Um, I, I can't really remember much um, about the game. Um, I know Kath Bell scored the very first goal in Everton's colours, so there's a bit of trivia for you. Um, she, I think she got two. Um, I actually got one, um, and Mo, Mo got one as well, Mo Marley. Um, I think we lost 6-4. I mean, they were the scorelines you were getting. You know, it, it's got obviously a lot better now. Um, but, it, you know, it was special. And playing at Marine, it was, well, it was special too, you know... Um, that 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 ground was great. I don't know if you heard Ian Wright on um before the game on Sunday versus Marine. He said you used to dream of playing on, on pitches like Marine because these were where all the cup finals were and and that was our home pitch now from now on. It it was great and you know, 
that you could you could call that your home pitch. It was fantastic. So you mentioned previously about the kits and about you know you've now you're now playing for Everton. Um, you've now scored again in a game for Everton. You've got your first appearance. There's there's sections that intrigue us, um, such as you borrowing the kits from the men's team. Um, that's something that obviously, I would say, the women in the game now definitely would not have to do that for Everton. Um, did you interact with the men's team, or with the sort of like a segregation, or was the only interaction you would get is to collect that kit from Belfield? Yeah, but that was that was basically the only interaction we got. Um, you know, we never got any financial support. There was nothing, nothing like that from Everton. Um, it was basically initially it was just the loan of the kit. You know, we would pick it up um, from Belfield on a on a Friday night, and then drop it back on a Monday morning, um, all dirty, ready for Jimmy Martin to wash. And um, you know, so I mean, he probably only had about five kits to go through the whole club at that time. I mean, ask him now; he's probably got about fifty five. You know, so um, I think eventually, further down the line, um, we did get a kit off Everton. Um, it was the one-to-one kit. Can you remember the Everton one-to-one kit? Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that didn't have a sponsor on the front. Um, and we eventually got a sponsor, um, a company called uh, Merseyside Pipeline. So, you know, the, the funds we got from that, you know, that they went into to our, to our bank account, you know, and that helped pay for um, the, the more and more uh, financial strain that was, was, was put on the girls then. Andrea, can I ask, were you ever allowed to use the facilities at Belfield? Yes, we were. Um, on a Friday night um, in the winter time, when we couldn't get a pitch to train on when it was all dark and everything. And so we, we got there Belfield at 7 o'clock um, till 9 o'clock of a, of a Friday night. And that was free? That was just open to you? To no, we had to pay like the cocky watchman to... So, I mean, that that's where your subs come in. That's where, you know... You you pay subs uh, every week, so that that they went to pay for him, as well as paying for. Um, what else did the girls have to do? Um, make sandwiches. That was one of the criteria of um, coming into this league. You know, you had to provide refreshments for, um, the 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 way team and the, um, so that the girls would be up in the morning making sandwiches. Um, you know, and and we had some students and. And people who were unemployed at the time, um, you know, and and and, and girls who, who had to take time off from shift work and had to take unpaid leave. So being in the Premier League or the National League as it was known, you know, did, did put a bit of a burden on, on the, the finance side of things. So it seems quite poignant that Everton have moved over a team from Liso to play in their colours, but they've not I don't want to use the word privileged, but they've not granted the funds, the, the the accessibility, the time constraints that you would have as well, not being professional, um, as you've said before, still paying subs. It seems to me that the the it, they want the, the the movement of the women's game had obviously pushed forward, but it's not as frantic or, or as or as urgent as you would expect it to be. And were they doing it to some extent for the 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 outreach that we we now have a women's team, or did all teams make that step in that direction at that time in a similar way? Not necessarily maybe at the same year, but during that period, were all teams who moved into the women's game were they doing similar procedures in in that manner? I, I, there the weren't many teams doing it, Dave. To be honest, um, you know. The biggest, obviously, was Arsenal, and that 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 was our benchmark. That's that's where you wanted to be. Um, you know, they had the use of the the men's coach for for away for games. Um, Vic Akers, who was the um, Arsenal man's um, kit man, he was the Arsenal manager, and I think if I'm right in saying Arsenal were one of the first to introduce kind of semi pros, so so they were our benchmark. Um, and you know, so we looked at them to think, you know, why can't other teams do that? Um, Everton, you know, certainly weren't on their own. Um, I, I'm looking at a team like Man United, 
Um, up until recently, they, they weren't affiliated to a women's team at all. Yeah. Um, yet, someone like, you know, no disrespect to Tramia, but Tramia had an absolutely fantastic women's setup. You know, they were involved in the community and everything. So it can't be a, a financial um, an issue. So, you know, but it, it, wasn't a done, it wasn't a done thing then. It just, you know, back, back then. Yeah, it, it it baffles me, if I'll be honest with you, Andrea, because that's what we're one of the reasons why we've set up this pod is to kind of call on these different issues even today and like just bring highlight like not to it's not anyone's fault, but to raise awareness to it and even the marketing till still today for the women's game with the women's team and the lads do all the hay, it's like why aren't they bringing in the women to raise the profile of them so they can be more marketable, maybe you get more sponsorship. And then you'd think this would have all been done in the early days, like as you were given that sort of first Everton training kit, give you the facilities, make it feel more professional. Okay, if the money's not there, but the running costs of like, God, me and David played semi-pro on a Saturday. There's lads who are doing it with the jobs, kind of like similar to you in the sort of lower le- like lower levels of the men's game today. But um, it surprises me that someone like Everton, obviously, they were making money at the time, probably having some debt, but not at least given the sort of setting up the infrastructure there at the time. And it's just a bit of a shame it's taken a bit longer, but um, hopefully like from your story today, we can obviously bring awareness to that and still, there's still room for improvement. And um, yeah, that's all I have to say on that one really. And I don't know what you'd, what your comments are and sort of on that sort of issue. Yeah. I think if, you know, I, I did listen to your, you know, your podcast last week with Emma, with Emma Simpson and, you know, it was fascinating with her that, you know, how close they've got to the men now within this time in the in the field of like media, and uh, you know they they get media days now, and um, you know at first they they used to get one photo, you're allowed one photo of the women's team, now they get one in one kit, they get gifts of them, you know they. Yeah. Uh, one in a different angle, one one pose and one with the ball and that. So, you know, it's closing that side of things. I would just like to say that I I mean, I come out of a, a generation of sort of into my 30s where my parents were called um, to ask if I could play sort of, you know, boys and girls football. We I had to literally... You know, it was so I'm sort of going into sort of secondary school. And once we hit like a certain age, I think it was 12 or 13, we weren't allowed to play mixed sports. But also football was not available for me to play. So in my school. So this seems very um, real to me in the sense that it's so fresh and I've come out of it. It's not something that happened in the 20s or 30s or 40s. It's almost like we've, we've regressed. And so speaking to you, experiencing this is an absolute privilege but I just want to know if how did and how do the club utilize you and your former teammates at this present moment in time as the last women's team to win a title in, in an Everton football shirt you know um they don't is is, is the word you know we you know we're, we're never contacted over for anything you know so um, I hope that would change, you know, in in the future. But you know, and I know Mo Marley, who is who is our uh, captain. You know, she she stayed in the game a lot, and and she's done absolute wonders. Um, but no, we've not, you know, you did. It's just not a done thing. I don't think. Andrea, as a as somebody who's been to university, studied coaching, and as a former coach, I find it incredible that. You're a member of a of an Everton. You you are in the Everton team, who is the last team to win silverware for the club, and that's men's and women's. And it amazes me, as somebody who has coaching experience, that your experiences with that cannot be utilised for the current women's team. If and and I'll take my position as a me and Sean and I are both privileged that we've not maybe had these potential barriers to overcome to be allowed to play football um, and I find it incredible that if, if I wanted to meet a, number, a former Everton number nine as just a, a 
just a junior football player, I have more opportunity than a current Everton player to meet the last women's number nine to win a title. It it's and it's it's astounding. And how how do you feel? And what do you think you could bring if you were able to do that to 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 the current team? Um, going back to the coaching, I mean, you know, th- th- there is, you know, I-, I have got a couple of coaching badges, level one and two, you know, I I know a couple of people who have gone on into three and four. So, you know, there are, there are opportunities there for women now. Um, I don't know how long them coaches, their coaching courses have been going for, but, you know, if I wanted to um, progress further, I'm sure... You know, if, if if I put the time and effort in to, to get me a license or wherever, you know, I'd I'd be in a position then to to start knocking on doors and saying if if you want me and, you know, I'm sure, if there was there was a choice between myself and somebody else, with with the same qualifications and and we both went knocking on Everton's doors and maybe my uh, affinity with the club and ties with the club might might get that the 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 nod over to somebody else. But yeah, we've. I mean, we've got um, men's uh, ambassadors, you know, and the likes of Sharpie, uh, Sharpie and Snodden, and you know. So maybe why not? Can can we get a women's one? You know. Yeah, I was looking at that before actually, because um, Graham Sharp was um, listed as the Players' Life President. Is that right? Twenty twenty. I would absolutely love for you, somebody within that team, somebody that can bring something part of Everton's heritage from that time to the new Everton. You know, you represent the club. You are part of the club. Nobody can take that away from you. I would love to see you as part of that. Would you relish the fact? Oh, yeah. I mean, who, who wouldn't want to, you know, it's, who wouldn't want to work for Everton? And, um, you know, it's like playing for Everton. Who wouldn't want I'm, I'm sure you three would uh, love to, to wear the number nine shirt and, and run out at Goodison Park or play at Wembley, so... We're just not good. We're not good enough, Andrew. We were never Speak good enough. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I, I, I would like to touch on that point you just made about number nines, actually. Um, so you, there's quite a poignant moment in time, isn't there, during the 1997 season? Um, you're parading with your... Um, you're brought out to parade with your, with your medal at Goodison Park. Can you tell us... Um, the atmosphere and what what day was that that you were asked to come out and parade that medal? <laughs> uh, the Coventry game. Oh wow! Um, so, or, the, or the or the Gareth Farrelly game, or the Gareth Nick Bar- or the Nick Barnby miss penalty game, or don't recall oh, that one. Don't don't recall Nick Barnby on this podcast. I'll go off. I shouldn't have swore. You might have to cut this bit out. <laughs> <laughs> Staying in now. <laughs> we were due to get presented with a trophy, you know, and our medals at, at home to the Coventry game, you know, and you know, the the, the previous week, I'd, you know, we we got absolutely battered four nil um, away at, at Arsenal, and I, and I remember thinking, you know, next week that that should be one of the proudest moments of my life, next week and. It could really turn out to be one of the worst days in history. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember kind of parading the trophy. We were going around the trophy, uh, we were going around the pitch, and it was about uh, half two, and the, the men's team were warming up, and they were just running across the pitch the way they did them days. Um, and, and Dave Watson and Danny Casamartri, as they were coming towards us, they both stopped and started clapping and applauding us. And saying, well done, girls, well done, great achievement. And, and I think I said to Dave Watson, I, I think I shooed him away. I said, Dave, Dave, just concentrate on your own warmer, please. <laughs> I was petrified, you know, much more than doing this now. Um, I, ju- I just remember thinking, that it, this, it just can't happen. This scenario just cannot happen. Um, and thankfully it didn't, so... And and Touchwood, we haven't so, been in this in that position since. So Gareth Farrelly put us one up on that day, and then uh, Holmes under the hammer star, Dion Dublin equalised. <laughs> so, what was your feeling? Did were you with the other women at that? Uh, the, the, the other the women's team at that time. What was your feeling like as a collective, uh, knowing the juxtaposition between your excitement of re, of obviously the recognition for what you've done, 
but then the immediate sort of emotional feeling that you would have personally being an Evertonian. It's was extremes, it just a drop? Or yeah. was, there, was there a mood in and around the ladies' team at that moment? Well, I, I sat on my own seat because I was, I was up in the upper Gladys then. So the, the, girls, were, I, the girls were sitting uh, elsewhere, I think, in the main stand. I mean, some were Liverpoolians and they didn't even want to watch the game. Um, so I, I was sitting with them. And I, I remember, I don't know if you can remember, but um, after that game, the pubs were closed. Um, none of the pubs in, in Liverpool were, were open or, uh, or around the ground. You know, I think they were, they were fearing some kind of backlash if the, if the worst case scenario happened. So um, we all agreed to meet. Um, later on, and we, you know, I maybe shouldn't be saying this, but we, we sneaked into a, a backstreet, backstreet pub in Liverpool, and uh, what name was the pub? <laughs> Pick your name, and uh, yeah, and I think I, I must have been the last to get in there because you know I was probably hyperventilating somewhere, and uh, I, as soon as I got into the pub, I just sank to my knees, and and I just, you know, the, the emotion all came out then. I just, that was it, you know. In in the in the build up to obviously that euphoria and obviously surviving the drop, but I'm really interested in uh, the because I've done some research on and there's not much I'll have to say on sort of like getting uh, match reports and things from your time in that season when you won the league, Andrea, um, and I want to make the most of this and finding out. So it was four, 43 points I seen on Wikipedia, and you won the league by three points over Arsenal. Is that correct? Yes, we did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So with that, I seen there was fifty four goals scored that season, and I just wanted to know how many of them did you get? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I wish I'd have been like Tony Cotty and kept a, a, a scrapbook or a diary of all my goals. But you could be like Pele, Andrea, and just say you got all fifty four. Just if keep you adding them to. on. Yeah. Okay then. Um, can you pick out some of the bigger games and obviously? From that season, uh, can you remember certain turning points? I guess, um, and obviously yeah. some of the girl, the women that you played with. Any big moments for them as well as yourself um, for that season yeah. when you won the league? Yeah, I mean it was it was. But I think we, I think we only lost one game all season. Um, I think we'd won about twelve on the bounce uh, from about November to March, um, and, and we were we were so strong. We were such a strong team, uh, especially down the spine of the team where everyone says you know you need it. You know, from our goalkeeper to to Mo at the back, um, Kathy Gore and Becky Easton in the middle, and Louise Thomas up front. You know, we 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 were so strong. Um, I think the first game of the season we were away to Arsenal. I think they were the champions, so you couldn't uh, get asked for a, a tougher start than, than that. And I think we absolutely played a blinder. I think it was it was two two. Um, I think we could have even won it in the in the last uh, second, but it was two two, and then we the next game we beat Croydon at home, who were the probably second second favourites, you know. So we 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 made a great start, and we just didn't look back from then. I mean, and that and that was thanks to coming on board with Everton because, you know, we we could attract England internationals. I mean, that that year we won the league. We had Karen Burke, Becky Easton, Sammy Britton. Um, all England internationals, and Mo was already an England international, you know, but she was already, she'd already come through the ranks at, at, at Liso. You know, so um, it, it, great times, you know. Some really big, influential players. Um, and I was going to, I was really interested in sort of the transfers and stuff, obviously that excites fans in football in general. How did that work in the, obviously when you were playing then, was it, like, uh, let's say Mo's at England, is she in the ear of all the other women there saying come to Everton kind of thing? Does it work like that? Is there, I guess there's, was there no transfer fees or anything like that? It was more of sort of recruit, recruiting sort of people you know who were good. And did you have yeah. trials? And how did it all kind of work from the structure? It was just more of word of mouth kind of thing. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, as as um, as a manager, like it is now, you're not you're not supposed to, Go and approach a player. It's 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 uh, it's not thought of as uh, as as the done thing, you know. Legally, so, legally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, with the case of Liso, um, you know, I I actually approached Liso. I I wanted to play for the best team around. I wanted to test myself and play at the highest standard I could. 
So I actually approached them, but yeah, it was a case of um, maybe, you know, it probably happens with England now, do you think, you know? Yeah. Raheem, Raheem Sterling has a word with uh, such and such and, you know, Jonathan I always think of it like, like Brian Clough or like Alex Ferguson, kind of famous for it, aren't they? Like driving somewhere to pick a player up. Now the agent stuff. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's it fascinating, fun. like just to me, like how it all yeah. ran and like how big was your squad at the time as well? Was it over twenty players or? No, no, um, probably a 15, 16, 17, 18, something like that. Yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing major. So, so you'd won the title. Was it sort of you go back in on a Monday morning? Did you feel different? Did did you get treated? differently by the club was there an automatic sort of change and feel no not at all I, c- I can't really remember to be honest I can't really remember getting a, a pat in the back or well done girls or anything like that I mean you know we uh, we actually found out we we won the league um by not playing because uh, I think Arsenal had to um win both games to overtake us um, and they were playing, I think it was a Wednesday night, they were playing away at Croydon, um, and they drew 3-3. So if, if, if they had a won, it would have gone down to the last game, but they only, they only drew. And um, we, we actually went to Moe's house. A couple of the players actually went round to Moe's house to just to wait for the result to come through. Um, and then I think somebody phoned up the clubhouse and, you know, it was it was told to us that... Croydon had only uh, drew with with Arsenal and and we were champions so um we celebrated that night I think uh, in Moe's house with um cri- crisps and diet coke <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it the professionals that you were yeah yeah no Mo didn't drink so um she only had diet coke in the house and um you know that's that there was no Jamie Vardy kind of style party or anything like that or thank God. I think and and if you, I don't know if you can remember CFAX the the Teletext yeah yeah it it the the, the headline on the sports page was um, Everton uh, champions that's how you found out CFAX yeah so we were that's waiting. amazing so we're uh, <laughs> I think we sat uh, ate our crisps drank our coke and just watched the the CFAX page. Did you book a well, holiday? Well, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> really, well. well we're, we're, we're talking, you know, 97, 98 then. And it, yeah. No one, no one had phones and things like that, you know. Yeah. So can we just sort of go back into discussing Mo because she's such a firm part of the fabric of, of, of women's football in, in the game. 25 years, I think she's just retired, hasn't she now? Um, can you sort of touch on what it was like playing sort of in a, in the same team as her did you sort of know at the time she would go on to to be such a um an imposing figure um yes absolutely um you know that she she deserves everything she gets mo i mean the, she was a player she won the league as a player and i think she won the fa cup as a manager um so that that takes that takes some doing um when we were playing she you know she was an incredible header of the ball absolutely you know that was our biggest uh asset our, we was from set pieces we had louise thomas who could who could put a ball you know on mo's head and there was just no stopping it so um and and you know she 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 worked her own socks off and um got into the england setup purely by hard work and and talent and dedication she would um, i mean we we trained i think probably twice a week um, when we were at Everton but Mo would go on and, and do her own thing um, and, and go, go out running Mondays and uh, Wednesdays and, and Fridays as well you know so um, I think the England players did at the time anyway they, they would get their own little personal um, plan that they had to fitness programme that they had to, to stick to but um, but I, I knew she, she would um be something in football because when when I was a and I joined Lisa and we we were playing teammates together, um on a Monday morning after we played on the Sunday, 
we would phone each other up, so one of us would phone it up, and we would discuss the game and rip the game to shreds um, minute by minute um, in, in work on a Monday morning. So, you know, and, we, and we'd discuss this and say, dissect that. So, yeah, she, and she wanted to know the ins and outs of, of everything, you know, so um, I knew she'd be, she'd, she'd be go on and, and, and be as talented as she was. You know? Great woman. You mentioned there that the, the, the girls who were playing for England at the time would get maybe a bit more, I guess, structure added to their schedule. Is that something that you played off as well? So knowing Mo so well, were you able to take anything from her experiences um, and then obviously added on to the other girls and the way that their schedules were maybe catered to them? Did you pull anything from there um, to help you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know... When you play with better players, you know, you, you can't not but learn from them. You know, and as, as I said before, we, we had England internationals all, th- all in the squad. So, you know, you pick up little, little traits, little moves, you know, especially if there's one in your position as well, you know. So, um, yeah, you, you, you definitely do. And, you know, they pick up things that they were getting coached regularly um and and you know I say we'd only just started to get to be coached as a team so yeah you 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 know uh, you still learn every day when you're playing you know you still learn so you've you've now we'll move on to life after the game slightly I guess um you mentioned before you Spurs you had the time at Millwall uh, Barnet uh, Wimbledon but I'd like to know how you feel you've wore the shirt you've done Something that, you know, probably one in a hundred thousand people could possibly do. You're probably one of the few people in the ground when you go to watch the game now who can say I've put that on, I've wore that. Um and I'd like to know how you feel watching Everton and, and a poignant moment when Everton and the fans brought out a banner with all the all the all the infamous number nines on and how how that makes you feel that you or even a, a, a women's number nine of the past was not included in that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I must admit. I mean, the first the first thing I, I, I thought when when I saw the banner was 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 wow. Um, you know, I'd seen the others before. I, I'd seen the, the there's an Allen Ball, uh, Neville Southall, and Leighton Baines one, and and they were all fantastic. But I mean, but but this one, you know, we're famous for our number nines aren't we you know and to my mind i was one of them um you know i'm it's it's nothing big headed you know or anything like that because there's the where and 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 there are better number nines out there than me but it, as you say it was a special feeling to know that i've worn that shirt you know and and it really brought home to what i i'd, I'd achieved in my career and what it meant and like I said to you before, you know, I've had, I've got two brothers, you know, one of them was on Everton's books in the, in the seventies and, you know, they've never played at Wembley or Goodison. So, you know, um, maybe we, you know, we can get a, a, a women's one done. I, th- I think the, I guess Sean mentioned previously that, you know, the reasons we do the pod, I think the, the merging of cultures is something that we would like to see in the, inclusion that Everton's a family it's not the men's game it's not the women's game it's it's Everton we feel part of it as fans you feel part of it as a fan um I would like to personally see more inclusion and more introduction of the merging of the two past histories between the men's and the women's game so education for all fans for young women who go the game um there may be a a young girl sat two rows behind you doesn't know your Everton's number nine you've wore that shirt and maybe that inclusion needs to happen to inspire the next generation of young girls to know that person there has done what I want to do it so it is possible to do this you don't just have to be a a male to wear that Everton number nine and feel that emotion for it you can be a female you can be a young woman and you can wear that shirt and it means just as much to you as it does to any 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 male Everton number nine doesn't it yeah, as 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 you say, you know, if, um, 
you know we're you know I'm I'm nothing you know special and you know think if if people look at, uh, at male football players and and they look at they put them on that little bit of a pedestal you know if I can be uh, an Everton ladies number nine then you know that little girl sitting in the two rows behind me can as well so yeah and forgive me Andrea I'm going to use your words against you because I know you say you're not something special but you are something special just so you know no I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> um, you could be a great role model though for younger women and you're a part of Everton's heritage as well as the current players and stuff and I think it's like Dave says and um, like uh, Sarah says like this Everton heritage it's bringing that family in and Everton should be progressive in that way and like both young men and young women need those role models right and 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 you're sort of a beacon and a figurehead to show that that can be done as well as the current flock and let's show that let's start showing that history of because it's got some great golden stories. You've got silverware and onwards and upwards. Like it's all very much important, I think, of the evolution of the game. Uh, and I know Sarah wants to jump in now. Well, well Andrew, if Andrew, you need to respond, need to, respond to Sean. To Sean, 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 Sean. No, no. I mean, I yeah. I mean, thanks for your kind words, Sean. But you know, I, I I could. You know, if if I was given a kind of role like that, I know I'd. You know, my devotion to this club, um, would really stand me in good stead you know and, and you know I think I'm approachable or anything like that so and that's what you need as, as, as a you know a role model I think so I think what it is is there's a certain sense of fear isn't there with the acknowledgement maybe of the women's game being on a par and it's not to take anything away from maybe the ambassadors that we currently have who happen to all be male it's not taking anything away from the the number nines on the banner it's just it's it's a type of heritage that is not, it's, it's not your heritage of the club, is it? It's, it's somebody else's interpretation. And I think we need to start being more inclusive in that because it's, it, it has to happen. I need to know why you are not. But genuinely, I would like to know why. Briefly, we've spoken, haven't we, off pod, that um, you ran into the, uh, the Titanic Hotel, you ran into the the Everson team on the way to Anfield was that right can you sort of just describe that and your feelings and because I I heard it and I I felt I think was something really poignant about the fact that you well you go on to say it obviously go and please describe it to us yeah so it was it was a case of it was it was the um the day of the um the Everton Dar- Liverpool derby game at uh, Anfield and I think the the Everton ladies were were in the Titanic hotel I think they either stay there the night before or they go there for the um pre-match um meeting or whatever so and I was there from the night before and and I, and I just saw all the ladies having a walk around you know the the edge of the the, the, the hotel and I, I just wanted to go over and, and, and introduce myself and, you know, chat to their number nine and say, you know, have a great game and watch out for this and do that. And, you know, but, I, you know, you I, I didn't feel like I, I could go over. So maybe that's just down to my personality. So maybe another person would have gone over. But um... I think it's a culmination of things, isn't it? It's a culmination of things from one side to the other. You know, your feelings, Everton's feelings towards you. It's all those things, you know, play a part. Why aren't you, why don't people know sort of who you are in passing, you know? Because I'm sure if the Everton team walk past and form a number nine, somebody will either make them aware of that or the number nine will sort of brazenly walk over. So there's a difference, isn't there? Yeah. Got my rant out of the way. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to draw up to a close now, Andrea. But what we do before um, before we finish up every week, as you may have heard from previous pods, we do a quick fire Q and A. Uh, and these don't get sent to you in the in the pod notes and anything, Andrea. These are straight off the bat, one word answers as quick as we can. And uh, if you pause. We'll edit it out and it'll just sound like you answered straight away anyway. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so we're going to just go 11 answers. Don't have a think about it. Just come out with it. Um, one word to describe the first time you wore the Everton number nine. Uh, pride. Darkness on the edge of town or born to run? Oh, what are you doing to me? <laughs> born to run. 
That's the most con. That's the most controversial question we've got to be honest. So. <laughs> who inspired? Who inspired you to play football? By a brother. Name one essential characteristic for all aspiring footballers. Hard work. You can play alongside any footballer from the last 100 years. Who do you choose? Uh, Maradona. Fantastic answer. Get out of that. Did you have any superstitions? Um, beans on toast for pre-match meal. <laughs> <laughs> Your favourite football boots, what would you play in? Uh, Adidas Copa Mundial. Oh yes! Oh, oh yes! Oh, yes. <laughs> That's gonna get oh, right yes. into the edit. That's gonna get straight into the edit. <laughs> One word to describe women's football in present day. Improved. What modern football perk would you most want during your playing career? Uh, a signing on reveal video. <laughs> and a gif and a gif <laughs> so you can't choose Goodison for this one as a player what was your favourite ground uh, well I played at Wembley so oh, the proper Easy Wembley the traditional Wembley yeah. no, wow. oh, the, yeah. Wem- yeah, the good that. Wembley no, that yeah. is showing off <laughs> I'm jealous I'm so jealous <laughs> Yeah, it's 20 minutes longer than the three of us combined have actually stood in the place. (laughs) My only memory of old Wembley is a a vague Vinnie Samways cross-come shot, and that was it. And I fell off the back of the seat because they didn't have backs then, did they? So um, if you could have one role now in football, what what would you choose? Manager. Manager. Somebody's willing to take that pressure on the shoulders after all of your experience. Andrea, it's been an absolute pleasure for you to join us and I can't thank you enough for, ex- for sharing your experiences with us. Um, the insight you've given to me and I'm sure to Sean and Sarah has been rivaled with anything that I've ever listened to, to be honest. Um, the stories that you've got and I would love for potentially in the future for you to be able to share those stories with Everton ladies team players and Everton men's team players at current um, so I'd like to say thank you, and it's been it's been really enjoyable having you on. No, thank thank you all, guys, and it's been absolutely my pleasure, and it's um, fantastic talking to you all. Is my